Welcome to First State Insights, offering information, perspectives, and analysis for public policy, management, and community and economic development in Delaware. Hi, everyone, and welcome to First State Insights, a podcast presented by the Institute for Public Administration. My name is Troy Mix, and I'm Associate Director at the Institute, which is a research and public service center in the University of Delaware's Biden School of Public Policy and Administration. We call ourselves IPA for short. Thanks for tuning in today. On today's episode, we're joined by three representatives from the Delaware Prosperity Partnership, which is a public-private partnership that serves as Delaware's lead resource for attracting, retaining, and growing business in Delaware. On April 9th, 2020, I spoke with President and CEO Kurt Foreman, Director of Talent Acquisition Charles Madden, and Director of Economic Research John Taylor. We covered economic development in Delaware with a focus on the response to and recovery from the COVID-19 crisis. Let's join the conversation in progress. I'm always grateful to talk to you about economic development, and we're definitely at a different time than we were if we had done this several weeks ago in the midst of COVID-19 crisis. So really wanted to spend time today hearing from you about uh, what impacts you've observed on businesses in Delaware so far and really how you've been adapting your efforts. Before we really get going, I mean, every, not everyone may know about the Prosperity Partnership. Uh, could you talk a little bit about uh, when and why it was started and what your, who your team is made up of and what your major functions are? Terrific. So I'd be happy to. So this is Kurt. Um, I... Uh, I think that uh, the the best way to describe what we do is we were an experiment that was developed by the private sector and taken to Governor Carn now Governor Carney, as he was getting elected, and uh, the idea was could bringing the private sector more overtly and directly to the table enhance the economic development efforts of the state of Delaware. And so they reviewed that and decided that, yes, it might. And so we are a 501c3 uh, nonprofit that was uh, put in place to do four things, work on attraction of new investment and jobs, uh, support the uh, efforts around engaging our existing business community, uh, working on what we call the innovation agenda. How do we help innovative uh, startups and, and small companies uh, grow and thrive here in Delaware? And then lastly, how do we ensure that employers can access uh, the talent that they need to be successful? Because if you don't have the right people, um, you can't do what you want to accomplish in Delaware, even if you like the area. So, and I think that goes for us as well. I mean, I, I, I've been pleased. We have a team of 12 uh, we've built over the last two years, and we've been able to find very talented people here in the region uh, who both care about Delaware, but also bring a lot to the table um, and our commitment to really make a difference for Delaware. So that's that's really us. So we are we are a nonprofit doing the state's work uh, in those areas. Great. And so attraction, you know, nurturing that innovation agenda, all of those things sound like they require a lot of in-person engagement with folks. How, how has COVID-19 really affected you in the immediate term? Yeah, it certainly, it certainly requires us to use different muscles, if you will. So 
you know, we, we've had to work remotely. We are doing, uh, uh, things from our dining rooms or our kitchen tables or our, our extra bedrooms or whatever. Um, and, uh, uh, having to engage people just the way we're doing today, which is by Zoom or by phone or uh, whatever tools uh, uh, tools we can we can access. But the good news is, well, there, there are those opportunities, and uh, others are dealing with the same thing. But it is it is about personal connection. I think that's one of Delaware's strengths but also is key to our work was before and is still. So the, there's clearly been disruption so far, um, business closures and the like, and uh, it's not clear to anyone in any state really how long those will go, go on or what their character will be. So I understand you've been surveying businesses to get a sense of impact so far and you know how businesses are weathering um, those closures and disruptions. Could could you talk a little bit about why you did started the survey effort and what you've learned so far? Well, I'll kick it off, and then I'd, I'd, I'm going to turn it over to John to talk more about what we're seeing. But the the idea of getting actionable, you know, quick pulses of what's happening now. I mean, obviously, we watch economic data more broadly, uh, and there's often lags in some of that data. In a typical time frame, that's okay um, to wait a few months or a month or a year. But in this case, we were wanting to know as close to real time as we could what's going on so we could provide that information to public sector decision makers, share that with uh, groups around the state. And we heard about an, an effort that came together very quickly from a group of economic development consultants uh, and a sort of a, a, just a grassroots effort to how could we do a survey that could be used across more than one place and be analyzed in a way to see what's happening in multiple places. So we volunteered to be part of that effort. It's a volunteer effort. Um, we agreed to, to work on that. And so we were actually one of the first to get the survey in the field. Uh, and we've done that now twice. Um, but the idea is to get a quick sense of what people are, are experiencing. So we at least understand what what's happening now versus waiting six or eight weeks or 10 weeks. Don, do you want to share some of what? Yeah. Yeah. Happy to, to, to jump in a little bit. And, um, you know, I should say to you before, um, you know, talking a little bit about some of the results, I mean, the, you know, the one, the one kind of concrete piece of, of timely data that, that we are getting are claims um, data. We saw the new data come out this morning um, that another, you know, um, you know, more than 18,000 Delawareans uh, filed uh, initial unemployment claims last week. So it's about just in the past three weeks alone, we've seen about 50,000 initial unemployment claims uh, in Delaware alone. So, you know, pretty, um, pretty stunning uh, figures there. And, um, you know, I think the, the idea of the survey, as Kurt mentioned, was just to, to, to dig a little bit uh, deeper to understand some of the impacts, um, you know, by industry um, you know, by business size. Um, so I'll, I'll talk through a little bit um, what we've found. So we've conducted two rounds of the survey so far. We had our first round out um, from uh, March 20th to March 24th. So that was all, um, mostly all of the responses came in before um, the closure of, of non-essential uh, businesses across the state. 
And then our second round ran uh, from March 31st, uh, March uh, 31st to April 3rd. Um, so we're able to compare a little bit, um, you know, kind of before and after um, that period. And obviously, you know, the impacts are, are being more, um, you know, directly felt, uh, you know, the longer this goes on. So just to give you a sense of, of kind of, you know, who responded to the survey um, and a little bit in terms of the um, just the distribution. So the second round, we had um, almost 420 employers uh, across the state respond to the survey um, up from from the, the first round uh, that we did a week prior. Pretty, um, you know, pretty uh, well distributed geographically across the state um, in line with with how you know, businesses overall are distributed across Newcastle, Kent, and Sussex County, um, and also really good uh, distribution across industries as well. So pretty, pretty representative um, sample in terms of geography and industries. We, we saw, you know, in, in both rounds, you know, so there were questions, you know, asking employers, you know, how many um, individuals they've, they've laid off. So in the second round uh, of responses, um, employers indicated that they had um, already laid off uh, about 1,700 employees. And just to give you a sense of, of you know, on, on that sample, those employers accounted for about a little more than 11,000 employees total. So those layoffs accounted for about 13% of the workforce of, of those companies. So again, pretty, um, you know, obviously very substantial layoffs and we're seeing that in, in the official data um, coming out as well. 34% of, of respondents said that they've had some uh, staffing decrease. Um, about 50% of the layoffs in the survey were uh, businesses in, you know, accommodation and food services and the retail uh, trade industry. So you know, as suspected, those those two um, sectors are are being particularly hard hit in the current crisis. About more than a third of, of respondents said that they are actually you know completely closed. Um, again, um, some of those uh, businesses in those two sectors, but also um, it, you know the arts, entertainment, and recreation um, industry is, is particularly hard hit. Um, nearly eighty percent of respondents in in that industry said that they've closed. Education, um, particularly on the on the childcare side, we had a, a substantial response there, um, and they're being um, particularly hard hit. So you know, definitely seeing um, you know significant closures. But you know, even amongst you know businesses that are still open, limited um, you know kind of operating capacity. Um, certainly seeing some greater capacity to kind of keep business as as usual in you know in finance and insurance professional services, um, um, even manufacturing construction um, are, are able to, to move forward, but, um, but lower in some of the other sectors. A couple more points just to touch on, and then you know, we, we can um, you know, certainly uh, discuss uh, any of this further. But one thing that was interesting, you know, we had some questions about um, supply chains and how those are holding up. Still, the, the supply chains seem to be relatively intact so far. On average, um, you know, respondents are indicating that they're able to, um, you know, ship and receive more than seventy percent of goods and services. So certainly not not full uh, capacity, but um, you know, supply chains haven't um, haven't totally uh, you know kind of fallen out so far. So relatively positive, you know, response there. But, you know, of course, we're seeing, you know, huge decreases in, in revenue really across the board. So again, you know, the steepest revenue declines in those kind of local service industries, but um, really across the board, seeing at least some, um, some de decrease in revenue. And then 
getting a sense of how long some of these businesses um, could could survive in a shutdown. And the the main response among businesses was about eight weeks. Um, so pretty uh, pretty tight. T- uh, uh, window um, for a lot of businesses. Obviously, um, you know some businesses could weather it longer, but a lot, um, about a quarter of respondents said um, they could survive about four weeks or less. So, uh, you know, again, uh, you know, some some um, just some more detailed findings that that we can again share with leaders across the state, um, the business community, and and our partners, so that we can really kind of help target you know some of the efforts to to support our businesses here. I forgot to to mention probably the most important part of the survey effort is that this in this was we don't have a list of companies uh, and all their emails and all uh, we are not a membership organization but the good news is we have quite a few chambers uh, 14 or 15 of those and a number of other business groups and um, DPP tends never to do anything by ourselves so we reached out to our partners up and down the state at the chambers at other business membership groups at uh, community economic development county economic development even some of the utilities and and other partners and that's how the survey was distributed was through those partners uh, to their lists and uh, uh, that's a real critical part of this this was a truly a group project yeah. Uh, so th- speaking of those local partners, how do the impacts you talked about, John, seem to differ by geography? It sounds like industry is the real focus, right. uh, which makes a lot of sense given mm-hmm. how the closures have been structured. But how does that seem to affect Sussex versus Kent versus Newcastle so far? Sure. I mean, um you know, I think, you know, obviously, uh, you know, if you, if you look at, at Sussex County, I mean, the, the, the concentration there um, of employment in, um, you know, some of the hardest hit uh, sectors in, in um, you know, hospitality, um, in, in retail, you know, certainly, um, you know, feeling, feeling the, the impacts of that. So I think that, that that's certainly, you know, certainly one place. But I, I think that the, you know, the, one of the takeaways for me is I think that really the whole state is, is, um, really feeling, feeling the impacts of this, uh, you know, not, not really confined to any, any one part of the state. So, um, but, but certainly, you know, those, those parts of the state that are, are even more reliant on, uh, on hospitality, retail, um, some of those, you know, other local, uh, you know, local services are feeling some more uh, of the brunt of, of this for sure. So you're going to do a couple rounds of these surveys and get a sense of the impacts. Uh, how do you see uh, what you find uh, in the survey translating to steps that you might take or the chambers might take to, to respond to business needs? Well, I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm not sure we know exactly, but I think that the idea that data is most useful to to us at this point. I think, uh, you know, for a chamber, knowing how their members are, are what they're experiencing um, is important. Um, you know, chambers rely on dues and, and uh, uh, dollars from events and stuff. So th- th- they're experiencing stress, I would imagine, at this point as well. So uh, just being able to sort of know where you're, wh- what your members are facing and getting them information in response or Many of them are doing almost daily updates on uh, information about <clears throat> where to go for help or how to engage the SBA or doing even podcasts and webinars and things like that. 
uh, on a regular basis now to try to be helpful. I mean, people people are part of things because they're relevant. And so the chambers and groups are trying to be relevant right now. But from a broader perspective, I we hope that the data helps the state, <clears throat> excuse me, in thinking about what's uh, what's happening and how, how how their plans need to shift or pivot <clears throat> or what they need to advocate to to folks uh, at this federal delegation or whatever to be helpful. Um, one of the things we're finding, <clears throat> excuse me, I have a frog in my throat, is that uh, not not as many companies as we thought had already applied. And now that's, a, again, a snapshot in time. Hopefully that's changing daily. But we thought maybe more companies would have applied for SBA support uh, at this point. And we're encouraging all companies to go through that process and they can always say no to the, the effort But uh, at the end of the process. But I think engaging your bank and engaging... Uh, the SBA right now is really an important step for for anyone that can and is eligible. That makes sense. So a lot of the, I mean, a lot of the federal stimulus is obviously at the national level, but it relies on state and local partners to get businesses signed up, get them engaged. So you'll have some data about how that process is going. Absolutely, um, which is great. Now, I don't know that the underwriting decisions are being made locally, but the SBA team in Delaware, the SBDC team are certainly waters coming over the side of their boat just in terms of volume of engagement that they're having. You know, the Division of Small Business, which has been doing tremendous work both with state, the state assistance that's available through the HELP program and others, this hopefully gets the word out and sensitizes companies that at the very least it sensitizes companies that the groups that they're a part of are interested in knowing what's happening with them right now. Sure. And there's been, you know, a lot of talk, I think rightly so based on uh, numbers, John cited that this is really pretty unprecedented situation and that can feel pretty daunting for, I'm sure the businesses and then people you know, in your shoes are in the job of helping those businesses to locate here or grow here. You know, thinking about this from kind of an economic development perspective, do any situations or other crises come to mind that, you know, presented kind of a similar set of challenges here or elsewhere that you've worked? Um, for me, uh, I, I worked for a number of years in Louisiana and a number of years in Oklahoma. So I've, I've lived through the, the aftermath of, of significant hurricanes and uh, some of the biggest tornadoes on record um, that hit, for example, more and more Oklahoma when I was there. But what's different about, I mean, the, the, the localized effects are not, not dissimilar to what we're seeing that there's, you know, every company in a small area in that case are in need of help. Um, the good news is in those cases, the next county, they're not impacted directly. And so it's, if you picture an, an analogy of a plane, there are other engines on the airplane that are operating at normal capacity and it allows that one engine that's having trouble to deal with that while the plane's flying. In this case, the, the entire, you know, all the engines are being affected at the same time. So it's a, it's a little bit different in that regard, but very similar, similar issues um, are dealt with in those kinds of, 
of issues. But just again, the sheer number is daunting. And I'm not sure that we could ever have the capacity to put that much volume of inquiries or things uh, through without there being some challenges to the system. Yeah. And so, I mean, what do you think are some of the keys to recovery and what, what it's still are going to need to lean on uh, over the next several months to kind of get back on his feet? I'll take a crack at it from a business standpoint and maybe Charles can offer some thoughts on, on what uh, is going to happen from the, the people side of the equation. Cause we have a number of partners obviously who work in, in training or, you know, there was a alert this morning that another 6.6 million uh, job claims uh, were put in from a business standpoint. I think, what we need to be doing is helping people get back to, you know, a safe spot where their demand hopefully can spring back. Uh, whether that's uh, pent up demand from projects that have been put on hold. Uh, we're not seeing uh, a total lull in activity right now, even just us. We're working with a number of companies who are still moving forward on an expansion or a location you know, hopefully in Delaware. So there still is some activity, but how do you, how do you sort of get that back so that people can uh, operate at some semblance of normalcy and then grow back from there? Obviously, you know, the, the, some of the sectors that John mentioned are, um, some may not come back, some may, um, but there's going to be demand again, uh, one of the bright spots, I think, is there's some partners around the state who are helping to matchmake and help people pivot. So they're they're doing things like, oh, you have the skill at doing X. Let me match you up with people who need that, maybe that aren't current customers that could create uh, activity for you. So, for example, there's a, uh, a, a fabric company in 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 western Sussex County that our partners in Sussex have connected with some partners that are pivoting to make make stuff with fabric for for the situation we're dealing with right now. Well, that matchmaking might have happened on its own, um, but maybe we can find ways to matchmake across Delaware and create some internal demands and some activity that helps people people come back. But I think the people side is going to be real critical and there's going to be a lot of families and people who are not doing what they were doing. Hopefully it'll spring back. I've talked to some who think it will, some who think it won't. Um, but how we deal with those individuals is going to be important. Charles, maybe some thoughts about how you think our partners on that side of the equation are maybe handling some of this? Yeah, sure, Kurt. Thanks, uh, Troy and John. Um, I think one of the points that Kurt made earlier is sort of how we start. It's this idea that um, we're using or going to have to use different muscles as we move through and out of this crisis. And one of the things I think we are all either accustomed to or growing accustomed to is the use of technology. And you know now those face-to-face -face meetings or interactions have, have become more and more um, from a technology standpoint. As I just mentioned earlier, we're using Zoom to connect now. And so I think one of the things that I've always thought about Delaware as a transplant is that it has a very strong personality towards collective work. 
and working together. And I think what we'll find uh, as we move through this is an opportunity for us to start to work together differently. And that part is exciting. Uh, we have a technology project that we're working on now that we think will uh, uh, include more people into this pipeline of talent uh, around technology that probably going to change, again, how we work going forward. So it's exciting times while we're still you know, in this crisis, I do think it's important to understand that, that we will get through this and that there is going to be a change in how we work and technology will play a huge factor in how we do that. Yeah, so that notion of pivoting, um, you know, things you wouldn't, matchmaking you wouldn't have envisioned several weeks ago, I imagine, going on, but really important things uh, as people struggle to stay on their feet or get back on their feet and then thinking about how we do our work differently. Um, on that notion of doing work differently, what, you know, broader changes that might have been taking place uh, in advance of the crisis, things like the gig economy, remote work period, do you think, uh, are not maybe here to stay, but are, you know, going to be a more robust part of what's going on here in Delaware and elsewhere? Hmm. I, I think that's one that's challenging, um, that, uh, you know, the gig economy works well when we're, you know, when there's lots to be done. It's hard, I think, for those people uh, when when the spigots start to dry up, but maybe people will recover by using contractors or or assets that can help them scale you know in 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 a different way coming back so uh, i think there's a potential for that to be part of the flexibility in the system that could come back relatively quickly um, as companies maybe take on some new things or try new things maybe they use some folks from the gig economy to help them try those ideas out versus fully, fully, you know, do it in-house. So I'm hopeful of that, but, you know, I think that's very challenging. I'm glad the federal government has made some accommodation for folks in that situation so that they could get some help. But I think that's one of the downsides in something like this is those people probably have less of a net to help them, um, particularly, you know, depending on how they get their health health care or other things. So uh, you may find some enterprising people creating new tools for the gig economy and how to help those people um, have a structure around them that protects them next time something happens. Yeah. And I think a couple, couple of things I've been thinking about, I mean, you know, just, you know, how this, how this is, how this crisis is, is kind of accelerating um, some of the trends we've already been seeing. I mean, I think, you know, you know, the, the, the trends, uh, you know, kind of away from, from brick and mortar retail, um, you know, kind of accelerating e-commerce um, that could be, you know, uh, a feature of, of um, uh, you know, the economy after this. So I think that there are some, some, concern for retail, uh, you know, more, more broadly. Um, but I think, you know, the idea of, of remote work, I think we're certainly seeing that that might, that, you know, that might accelerate, um, going forward. We're seeing, you know, all the, you know, and, 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 and not just in, you know, in, in office settings, but in telemedicine, in education that, um, you know, could create some new opportunities, but, you know, at the same time, you know, there also might be some challenges, you know, with, with the increase in that, you know, maybe you see reduced business travel, um, which could, you know, cre- create some challenges for other sectors. So, you know, I think, I think it remains to be seen kind of the, the overall impacts of this. And I think um, there are going to be different impacts on different um, sectors, but it's certainly, um, 
um, you know, the economy after this is, is um, certainly going to, to look uh, at least a little different than, uh, than it did before. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So we've all kind of been the beneficiaries, I'm sure, of like retail innovations, food delivery, uh, things over these last several weeks that just were not as robust as they are uh, now. And it'll be interesting to see how much a part of normal everyday life those things become. Right. Uh, as I know I'm ready to get out of my dining room and, stuff and <laughs> I would agree. I'm, I'm yeah. ready. Yeah, I, I, I'm ready. But to get I do out think there may be some, there may be some behavioral changes. Yeah. Um, people may be slower to come back. Restaurants may spread tables out. There could be a lot of interesting changes uh, that will impact things. Yeah, we're due for an arts and tenor- entertainment binge when we, when we get right. closer back. <laughs> I heard an interesting thing this week, Troy. I don't know how it's going to play out, but that there are there there is a, you know, the employees who worked in some of these hard hit sectors, perhaps restaurants or, or services where they were the first ones closed and impacted. Will people readily roll back into those kinds of jobs or will they decide that that's a little too challenging and be looking for alternatives. It may get to what Charles was talking about where people may go get uh, new skills and try to take on some other piece of the equation, I guess is maybe a way to say it. Um, But it'll be interesting to see whether people roll right back into some of these opportunities or whether companies start to have more of it, even, you know, even though unemployment may be relatively high short term, do they have trouble recruiting back into positions as they come back out of this? And looking, you know, if you were to go back a year and think about why is Delaware a competitive place to do business and you look now, uh, are they the same, same factors? Do you think, you know, Delaware is going to build on what brought it here or is it going to be a different set of factors moving forward? Um, I, I think so. Luckily, this didn't move us to another, another physical geography. We still are where we are. Um, I think that's always been an important piece. I think our business climate and our cost structure, uh, you know, sort of opportunities uh, in this corridor between, say, New York and D.C. or in this part of the East Coast, I think those are are still there. Uh, I think there's always ways to enhance that. You know, I think if anyone was worried about finding um, the breadth of talent, I think particularly short term. There will be opportunities to capture people probably that were harder to capture before. And that might, I think you'll be, you'll see that in a lot of places. No, I, I don't, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think we've lost any of our, 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 our sort of competitive assets. You know, I, I think the public sector will be challenged. We went from hundreds of millions of of, of gain or or surplus to um, some significant probable deficits uh, or at least short term deficits because of this. Uh, I think that's challenging, but hopefully the the broader picture will ease some of that as as the federal government considers how to do that. But then that puts the federal government in that position too. But I think from a Delaware standpoint, I think the reasons people would come here and operate here are definitely still here. As you put it before, it's, it's 
partly the problem of all the engines are running, you know, at subpar level right now. So Delaware is ready to go. And it's like, how's the rest of the economy faring? Uh, Are we all going to be on that upward trajectory? Uh, That's great to hear that you feel we're in a similar position from like overall competitive standpoint. We haven't talked internationally at all, but I, my friends overseas feel like that, uh, particularly my friends in the UK think that companies over there are going to be looking for opportunities for new customers quickly and may decide to pay more attention if they're a small company and don't do a lot in the US. They may try to do that. So I think there are opportunities there as well, Troy. So, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, sobering numbers, really, uh, in the economy and, you know, impacts still to come, really. Um, you know, you all spend considerable time observing what's going on in Delaware relating to, relating to companies. Uh, what kind of positive news have you seen out of companies in Delaware the last several weeks? You know, things that give you hope about uh, how this recovery is going to go. Well, I definitely think our first shout out needs to be to the healthcare community. They they certainly are, uh, and maybe even parts of that community you wouldn't think of, but um, there are people, you know, supporting it. There are people in it doing, you know, doing well. Uh, I think our system is holding up so far. You know, we, we may be pre-peak, but, uh, you know, that that sector is a huge part of our economy financially as well. And they are, are, have really stepped up, um, in a, in a admirable way. And those people are, are doing great work. Um, but there are a lot of companies I think that have pivoted a little bit or are helping, uh, the construction sector, um, is continuing to, uh, keep projects moving and, uh, keeping people employed. Um, even, even the, you know, the restaurants and all, you know, I give them kudos for keeping the pizzas or the subs or the things coming, even though it's a completely different model and I'm sure it's not as lucrative as it was before, but trying to be innovative, but there's a lot of innovation I think happening that may may or may not be needed afterward, but I think companies are, are doing good work. And I think our partners um, are doing good things that the chambers and groups up and down the state that support business are, are really, they have their shoulders to the wheel doing lots um, on a daily basis, maybe helping company by company or just getting someone a piece of information that helps them but there's a lot of, I think, stuff happening up and down the state. So can, I don't think we actually started with this at all, but can you give us, uh, remind folks how they can contact you all and you know who you're looking to hear from? Sure. We're going to give out John's cell phone right now. <laughs> um, to our vast audience. It's available so on the website. Be, be so. careful. <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, I think the web is certainly the, the probably quickest and easiest way for people to get to us. But there's uh, we have our whole staff list on there and our contact information. All of our phones are being forwarded to us. So uh, feel free to go to choosedelaware.com and look up uh, any of us. Uh, we're happy to do that. There are ways to email through the website as well. Um, but our phone numbers are all working and uh, people should feel free to reach out. Um, also, you know, again, we're a team. This is a team effort. So if you're a member of a chamber or you're, you know, call your your community and 
talk to the economic development person there. Um, but there are lots of us available to help. Um, and it is a team effort. That's great. You know, John, Charles, and Kurt, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, I know it's a busy, stressful time for everybody. We're adjusting and hope your families and teams really stay safe and healthy and well over the next several weeks. But thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Troy. As a reminder to listeners, this episode was recorded on April 9th, 2020. If you'd like more information on the Delaware Prosperity Partnership, visit ChooseDelaware.com. That's all we have for this episode. I'm Troy Mix from the University of Delaware, IPA. To learn more about IPA, you can visit us at bidenschool.udel.edu slash IPA. Thank you for tuning in today. I hope you'll join us again soon for more First State Insights. Thank you.